0: Welcome to the New Space India podcast, a bi-weekly talk show that brings you exclusive stories from people driving India's space activities. The New Space India podcast is pleased to announce our association with Dassault Systems, a global leader in providing businesses and people with collaborative virtual environments to imagine sustainable innovations. Dassault Systems Solutions supports startups, small and medium-scale enterprises, and original equipment manufacturers in developing disruptive solutions for space launchers and satellite propulsion. Hi, and welcome to yet another episode of the New Space India podcast. Today, we have here uh, Nirupesh, who is one of the co-founders of the Bangalore Watch Company, whose promotion video I watched on YouTube, and I was really, really impressed. And I thought I should definitely meet him when I'm here in Bangalore and record an episode. So Nirupesh, uh, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you very much for having me here, Narayan. It's wonderful to be actually in a space podcast talking about space stuff. So it's really exciting.
0: Great. So first we'll probably get to your own background a little bit before we actually talk about, you know, Bangalore Watch Company and all the space related things. I saw that you have a very interesting background as well, you know, doing stuff in technology, electronics industry, I guess, and then stepping into what you are doing now. So are you a kind of a childhood, uh, you know, watch enthusiast who happened to then realize whatever you wanted to do later in the career?
1: Uh, a great question. It's a good segue. Uh, you know, um, unlike many watch brand owners who would tell you that they had a grandfather's watch that was handed down to them that became an inspiration to start a watch company, I had nothing like that in my past. I was actually a science buff <laughs> when I was young. I was I was a huge science fiction buff. Uh I I grew up watching The Aliens. <laughs> I grew up watching any space movie. I, I grew up reading a lot of Michael Crichton. Um so I'm a huge space buff. I had nothing to do with watches in my younger years, I had nothing to do with watches. Watches actually came much later in life.
0: So I mean, carry on probably talking about, you know, I saw that you you know working were working in the electronics industry for like probably ten years or so. So what was the career moves that led to starting the Bangalore Watch company?
1: Yeah, I spent about uh, 17 years in tech, actually, across uh, multiple companies. Started with Microsoft and then moved on to a, a VoIP and SIP um, in the telecommunications space. And then I moved on to the cloud uh, security and content delivery space with a Boston MIT-based company called Akamai. Uh, I sp- That's where I, major- I spent a majority of my uh, time there, almost 11 years, Um, Starting with their technical consulting team, helping their customers build internet infrastructure worldwide and going on to build uh, technical consulting teams for them all around the world, in the US, uh, in India, and in the Far East. Um, And that gave me and my wife, Mercy, the opportunity to travel and see the world. So we've been in Bangalore for almost 20 years now. We've called Bangalore home. But we've had the opportunity to move in and out of Bangalore over the last 20-year time frame. So we moved back and forth between the city and outside. But yeah, a lot lot of the time, um, as far as the career is concerned, is is in the technology space, building technical consulting teams, building new businesses um, in technical consulting for cloud security company.
0: Great. And, you know, what was the point in which you said that, okay, I'm going to quit all of this and start uh, watch startup?
1: Yeah, a movie would make that scene make like an overnight thing, <laughs> but it was not a movie, so it was a- absolutely not an overnight decision. My wife and I, were we were doing very well. We were traveling the world. Uh, like many other people, uh, we had the good fortune of, you know, we had decent paychecks. We were living in Hong Kong at that time. Uh, we had lived there for a couple of years at that time. Uh, and for like a lot of people, we also had the good fortune of uh, being able to afford some nice watches uh, when we lived in Hong Kong. If you've ever been to Hong Kong, uh, just like Dubai, uh, Hong Kong's a fantastic place if you want to explore wristwatches um, and serious wristwatches at that. Um, and that's how the the exposure to wristwatches started, very late, although uh, in, a, in a fantastic place with the lots of exposure. But then again, um, personally, both Mercy, uh, my wife Mercy and I, we felt that we were moving every two years um, and we stopped and asked a question. Look, we've done this for 15 years. Is this how we want, this, we want the next 15 years of our lives to be? We took a sabbatical for six months. We traveled the Trans-Siberian train. Uh, we went from Beijing all the way to St. Petersburg on the train. We asked a lot of big questions about what we want to do in life. And at the end of that journey, we made the decision to leave our jobs and move back to India. Um, to do something on our own. That was the the thought process. Let's do something on our own because both my wife and I, we've been together for a long time. We met at university. We can play to each other's strengths, but we were not working together. She was in a different job. I was in a different job. Uh, So we wanted to do something together and we wanted to be back home in Bangalore. Um, There were multiple options. And one of those options was to start uh, a watch company, a boutique watch brand in India. Uh, so it was not uh, not an overnight decision, but uh, a, you know a decision that we pondered for a while before we made that.
0: Right. It's also you know fairly large shift from being a watch enthusiast to starting a, a watch company as such. Uh, I wonder you know what that is you know because at the end of the day you need to be really passionate about investing all the time effort money everything else that you have in your passion and you need to make sure that that passion sustains for you to then make you know money outside uh, on the other side right so how much of the technicalities of watches because you come from a you know let's say software technology background watches are more into design they're more into let's say the technology behind watches may be very different and so i'm sure that you'll have to you have have to learn a lot of these things right so tell us a little bit about this process of Thinking about being a watch enthusiast to saying, I know everything about watches and I know what I'm going to be building.
1: Yeah, no, I I think it's a fantastic question. Not a lot of people ask us that question because I don't believe that a lot of not a lot of uh, people um, think in that direction. Um, But it's a great question. Look, uh, not all watch enthusiasts can be watch business owners or watch brand owners. Uh, I'd also like to, um, for everybody that's listening, you know, my wife and I, we are watch brand owners. We're not qualified watchmakers. There's a big difference between the two. A lot of people come to us and ask us, so how long does it take for you to make one watch, right? I think they're mistaken that they think that we make these watches ourselves. We're not watchmakers uh, watchmaking is a separate skill. We employ watchmakers in our brand, but we, my wife and I, were not watchmakers ourselves. We're watch brand owners. There's a clear distinction between the two. And as a brand owner, you need to have very specific, um, you know, you, you must have a vision for any brand owner, not just a watch brand owner. And you must have very specific skills in order to start a watch brand. And those skills are something that we built over a period of time. We're still building. We just celebrated our, our third year anniversary as a brand. Uh, We have a long way to go. If you look at the history of watch brands all around the world, the 100-year-old, 150-year-old watch brands around. So we have a long journey to go. But we've learned a lot through this process over the last three to four years as we've been in pursuit for this. Um, So, so yeah, we're, we're on that journey now.
0: Great. And again, it was very interesting that you mentioned that, you know, watchmakers are commissioned by brands and then you pick them all of this. I'm sure that that is also a learning process as to which watch manufacturer you have to go to. Is it from India? Is it from somewhere else and all of this? Uh, Can you give a background on how this thing works at the industry level uh, for somebody to then come up and say, I'm going to build a watch brand?
1: Oh, great question. the the notion about watchmaking in general and thanks to swiss watches and swiss watch marketing is the belief that there is a there's an elderly watchmaker hunched over a workbench putting together watches somewhere in a cottage in Leloc in Switzerland but the reality of watchmaking today uh, for a lot of the luxury brands is that watch manufacturing today is an industrialized process which is not very different from the automotive industry today for example if uh, you buy- if you're driving a car today you need to understand that the car was put together by the brand that you know or that owns the car but the, the windshield of that car, for instance, was manufactured by a specialist windshield manufacturer, which is called OEM in the industry speak, Original Equipment Manufacturing. The OEM makes windshields for 100 different brands. And this car brand that you're driving chose to buy windshield from this OEM. And the same way they chose to buy uh, the door locks from another OEM, they chose to buy the alloy wheels from another OEM. So it all comes from specialized manufacturers who who specialize in specific components, and the whole car is put together in an assembly line that's owned by the brand and operated by the brand. In the same way, watch manufacturing works the same today. A watch brand owns the IP, the design, the engineering, the construction, and then those designs are handed off to OEMs that produce to the watch brand's specifications and the whole thing comes back together and the brand puts it together and then chooses to market it and sell it um and we operate in the same fashion so today bangalore watch company uh we design engineer our watches in bangalore we work with uh, oems and manufacturers who are both in india and overseas depending on who we work with and then we bring all the components back here to bangalore in our facility to do the final assembly, the QC. So every watch that leaves from here, you know, uh, is, is assembled and tested in our facility.
0: Right. And when you talk about the watch design, I guess it's the conception of what it will look like, you know, the materials. Uh, I mean, what do what do you really mean when you say that we own like the design bit of it?
1: So I'd like to take a step back. We want to look at what uh, Bangalore Watch Company stands for before we talk about what is it it that we design and why we design things a certain way. So um, remember I talked about how we were in Hong Kong and we were exposed to the world of wristwatches. This was the time in 2013 when HMT, it was announced that the government of India was going to pull the plug on HMT and they were shutting down the watch division. Um, And this is when we were exposed to a lot of the international watch brands in Hong Kong. There were a couple of things that stood out um, when we looked at all these watch brands. Number one is the watchmaking skill and with the, the attention to detail, the finesse with which luxury brands make their watches is no different from the jewelry industry in India. So if our jewelry industry can do Excellent jewelry and world-class jewelry with the same attention to detail and the finesse. There was a question why the watchmaking industry did not flourish in the same way that the jewelry industry flourished in India. The second thing that stood out to us was that every watchmaker around the world had excellent watches with technical capability. Also had wonderful stories and that's what made the watches special. Let's take Omega for instance, right? Omega as a watch brand. Um, has excellent stories behind their watches. They even have what's called as a moon watch. And those watches went to the moon several times on the wrists of astronauts for several NASA missions and also uh, ESA missions. Uh, We have uh, IWC, who's another luxury watch maker, who have watches uh, that have um, a lot of history um, and they make watches that pay tribute to World War II airplanes. So these stories specifically are make are the ones that make the watches special in addition to the technical complications of the watches themselves. This was the second thing that stood out to us. When we looked back to India what we realized was that the watch market in India was bipolar in a way. You had a lot of accessible price point watches in on the one end of the spectrum brands like Titan or Fast Track or Timex, we have huge respect for what they do. They they do some amazing watches and from a very respectable house like Tata Group, Uh, but it's very polar, right? I mean, on the one side you have this, and on the other hand, you have the luxury watches. Any luxury brand that you can buy overseas, you can also buy in India right now. But what we realized was that there was room for a watch company to come in and make respectable quality watches in India, serious watches, automatic movements and, and whatnot. Specifically with Indian backstories, we felt that it was missing. And if I may elaborate on that for a second, the grammar of Indian watch design was very colonial and outdated. If a luxury watch brand were to come in and make a India-inspired watch, they would either, either put Sanskrit numerals on the dial and call it an India limited edition watch, or they would put a Taj Mahal on the dial or the, or the back of the watch and call it an India watch. And and that quite didn't sit well with us. We felt that we grew up in the India in the last two decades and we're very proud of our, our origins and our background. And we see a very different India from the colonial view of India. So we felt that there was a gap in making respectable quality watches, which at the same time told very inspiring stories from India our recent space watch being one of those Um, and that's where the that's the core of the brand right so now we'll talk about how we design and what do you mean by we design the watches Um, every watch that we've put out in the last three years has an Indian backstory to it we started with a dress watch a dress watch is a very formal simple understated watch that pays tribute to HMT so if you look at that dress watch it looks like your HMT Janata except that it's a 2020 version of the it's, you know, It's modern, it's got anti-scratch sapphire glass, it's got marine-grade stainless steel, it's got the highest quality components and with a lot of attention to detail. So it's a luxury watch inspired by mid-century India. The second collection that we put out was a pilot watch, an aviation-inspired watch that pays tribute to the Indian Air Force, specifically the first supersonic fighter plane of the Indian Air Force, the, the MiG-21 Type 77. I mean, people wonder why a MiG, of course, the MiG's not Indian, but the MiG was built in India under license by HAL, um, and it was our first supersonic fighter plane. And then the third watch that we built was um, a sports watch that pays tribute to cricket. There's a billion of us that love cricket and play cricket, and and more in other countries as well. So there was no reason we couldn't make a sports watch that's inspired by cricket. And most recently, we made yet another sports watch that pays tribute to the Indian space program, and we called it the Apogee, Um, you know, and I'm sure we'll talk about that. Uh, So so every watch has an Indian backstory, so the design is very um, unique, it's very distinct, Like the Apogee watch has a very distinct design. It's got the Aria-Butta engraving on the case back. So all this design IP is ours. So we have a design team that puts it together with with the initial vision that they translate into design. And then the designs get translated into technical specifications of, okay, how heavy should the case be? Should it be grade two titanium or grade five titanium? CNC milling specifications, the whole engineering drawing gets done. And then we work with partners both in India and overseas to make these individual components that all then come back to Bangalore for final assembly.
0: Right. Very interesting. And thanks for explaining a lot of those uh, intricacies. Uh, I wanted to kind of double down on a few things there. Of course. Uh, One is, uh, of course, you identified a very good niche, perhaps, of saying that, you know, a high-end Indian backstory brand doesn't exist in the country. And, you know, that's, I think, a niche in itself. And uh, perhaps uh, you'll probably have to go through the discovery process. Why not? And uh, so just to kind of get a sense of uh, a person who is, let's say, not into watches. Let's say I'm not a person that is hugely into watches. Uh, For a person like me, I would love to hear from you. What is the watch industry like in India? Uh, Especially when it comes to, let's say, the entire low end, mid tire, you know, high end as such. And, you know, why do you think now is the time for something like the Apogee series to blossom?
1: Oh, it's a great question. Um, Let's talk about the watch industry. It's It's a very simple thing. A majority of us don't really care about the type of watch we wear. We only care about what that watch looks like. You know, that's the case with the majority of us, right? But then again, watches are something that you start paying attention to. It's no different from shoes. You know, I know a lot of people that pay a lot of attention to the kind of shoes they wear. I know a lot of people that start paying attention to the kind of denims they wear. They'll only wear a certain kind of denims. Or maybe you'll only wear a certain kind of shirts. You know, So watches are no different, it's an accessory. Um, make no mistake, none of us need a wristwatch today to tell us what time it is. Our microwave tells us what time it is. Our car clock tells us what time it is. Um, everything tells us what time it is. We only need wristwatches because there is an emotional connection with wristwatches over centuries that you know that you just can't undo in your brain. There's a certain connection that goes, oh, this is my father's watch. He cherished it. He wore it for 50 years in a row. He worked day in, day out. And this watch is with me now. It got passed down to me. So there's an emotional connection with watches, be it your father's watch, be it your anniversary watch that your wife bought to you or the one that you bought to your wife um, or husband. Uh, or, or it could be a watch that you bought yourself in your first paycheck or a bonus so there's a strong emotional connection with watches um, interestingly culturally not many other accessories have the same kind of emotional connection with humans so watches play a play a role only in that sense that you if you have an emotional connection with your watch you you know it becomes important to you for the rest of us for a majority vast majority of the folks they only care about what that watch looks like and is it it does it look cool and is it no, does it fit my wallet, for, for lack of a better word. So if you look at the, the Indian market, it's no different, right? You have the vast majority of watches being produced by Titan. You have Fast Track on the other hand, and you have a lot of other small brands. Uh, and then uh, uh, those are the watches that we start with. I started with the Titan. My first watch was a Titan. My parents bought me one, I think uh, right after it was class 10 maybe, um, when I was entering like PU, they got me a nice Titan watch. I still remember that, what that watch looked like. Um, the I think Titan's a, it's a ubiquitous uh, brand that everybody starts with in India. For folks that are listening from overseas, it could be your Swatch, right? Uh, Swatch is what everybody starts with um, overseas. Uh, and then uh, specifically in India, people graduate from a Titan when probably they have their first jobs or, you know, they're, they're just getting out of university. Um, interestingly, they graduate to what I call a mall watch. Uh, a mall watch is what you, when you walk into a shopping mall, you find these fashion labels that you're able to relate to. Like it could be Esprit, it could be Michael Kors, it could be Tommy Hilfiger. But interestingly, these watches look fashionable. They carry a fashion brand label on it, but they're not watchmakers' watches, right? They have fashion companies that also make watches in their labels. But interestingly, when we all graduate from a Titan watch, we move to a fashion a mall watch. After a while, um, you start looking at a more serious watch, and that's when you graduate from a mall watch to start looking at probably something more serious. This is when brands like Seiko, Tissot, Rado, Longines, these brands come in, and that's where we're placing ourselves. So if you look at where we're positioning ourselves, Bangalore watch companies squarely positioned when somebody is looking to upgrade from their Mall watch to a first serious watch, or for somebody that's already buying multiple Swiss watches, and they're looking at something more unique, more interesting, and some, and for lack of a better word, an itch that the Swiss watch doesn't scratch, right? Which is, you know, which is your respectable quality watch from India with an Indian backstory um, that you could proudly wear, and it's understated too. It's not, it's not going to carry a, you're not carrying a logo. Yeah,
0: yeah, great. You know, uh, absolutely fascinating to hear. You know all of the details as such. So when it comes to, you know, let's say the Apogee series itself, I I mean you mentioned that you went from HMT to you know doing uh, the sports one and and so on, right? So why did you see that uh, you have to do something on space?
1: Space is a very interesting. Um, area when it comes to watches, right? I mean, if you look at space and watches, they've been inseparable, right? Right from the first missions, uh, NASA missions, especially human missions, you see watches that, you know, they're, they're inseparable. Every story you read about a human space mission, be it NASA or ESA, uh, or even the, the, the Roscosmos missions, right? You see watches coming in. It could be like a Raketa from a Russian watch or a Vostok Russian watch, or an Omega watch or a Bulova American watch. Uh, Watches have been inseparable. Um, With the vision uh, of Bangalore Watch Company being inspiring stories from India with a modern view, the story of the Indian space program is something that you can't ignore when that's the vision, or rather that's your mission statement is to make watches with Indian backstories, you can't to ignore the Indian space program, especially what the Indian space program has been able to do in the last few decades, starting where it started. I mean, it's going to be very hard to imagine a, a motley crew of scientists that got together in Tumba firing sounding rockets not 50 years ago is today a huge agency employing thousands of people and inspiring millions of people. Uh, And I think that's a story that has to be told through watches. And we were very sure about it right from day one. It was just a matter of time. We had to graduate, earn our stripes, and get to this point. Uh, But it was always, always part of the plan is to do an Indian space watch. Um, It just took us three years to get here, but I'm very happy and excited that we got here. Uh, So this story had to be told.
0: Right. And, you know, why did you come up with the word like apogee?
1: Yeah, um, I, I think uh, this is a space podcast, so I should assume that everybody here, listeners and host inclusive, knows more about space than I do. Although I'm a space puff, uh, but the word apogee means that it's the farthest point in a satellite's orbit, uh, uh, and you know, especially in orbit around Earth, I assume, um, and it's a farthest point uh, also for Bangalore Watch Company in terms of what we've been able to do so far um we pushed ourselves uh, to our farthest point with this project be it the storytelling be it the material selection of the watch be it the construction and design of the watch and also how the the entire watch has come about uh, we believe that we we pushed ourselves to our farthest point we've not gone this far in the in since inception of our company so we found it very fitting to call it our apogee so we named it Apogee,
0: uh. right. Again, you know, would love for you to describe what was the process in um, selecting, let's say, the Aryabhatta cover, or you know, selecting the kind of colors that you've chosen, the kind of materials that I've chosen. So, give us uh, like the backstory behind the the promotion video that you already have. Sure. So for
1: for the uninitiated, the Apogee is a is a sports watch, but it's an automatic watch. What that means is that the mechanism inside does not require batteries. It's powered by a Swiss mechanism. You wear it on your wrist; it keeps going. Um, you know, it's a it's almost a century old technology that they've perfected very well, and it works perfectly. You know, it, there's there's a level of romanticism involved in wearing something that doesn't need battery. You know, we're in 2021, and it doesn't need battery. So, so the Apogee uses the Swiss mechanism. It It's built, the case of the Apogee is built with a titanium body. It's grade two titanium as opposed to grade five titanium. Uh, it's also built with a unibody construction. Usually watch bodies, cases are built with three parts. There is a mid case and then there's a case back cover and a, and a bezel as they call it. But here it's a unibody. It's one piece construction. Uh, the, the reason we... So first of all, starts with construction. We chose a unibody construction and a titanium material uh, because at the end of the day, it's a space themed watch. So it better be as relevant as possible. And we all know that sending every single kilogram up in space is a lot more expensive. So every kilogram you add to the payload is gonna get more and more expensive. So lightness of materials is really important. And we all know that titanium is very commonly used for anything that has to do with anything that goes inside the payload. Uh, So we had to use titanium as well. We've used grade two titanium. We've also finished the titanium case in a micro bead blasted finishing. So that gives a very space age UFO-ish look to the case. If you look at it, it's dark, it's deceiving. It's got a very cool future space age look. Um, So that was the reason to choose titanium to begin with. And the construction is unibody, so we could make it light. The entire case body is less than 40 grams. Um, so, super light in context of large, heavy, chunky watches that are made of stainless steel today. And of course, it comes with a reliable Swiss technology um, that would keep the watch going. You never ever need batteries. Um, so, that's the advantage there. Uh, the other interesting feature is the back case back design, which is the Aria-Butta uh, satellites picture. That was a bit of a tongue-in-cheek approach when we took that. If you remember the two rupee Indian currency from back in the day, it had the Aryabhatta uh, picture on it, uh, orbiting earth. So we wanted to, it's, it's a bit of nostalgia. We want to remind people of that. So we put that engraving in the back. And we're also celebrating 50 years of the space program through this watch. And if you look at where the space program came of age, it was in the early seventies. And I think the Aryabhatta was the first step in that where it was the first indigenously developed satellite, uh, although not launched by us, it was launched uh, from Russia, but it was our satellite for all intents and purposes. So it was very fitting to use the Aryabhatta on the on the back cover. Um, the next interesting feature that watch is that it has a dual time zone feature, so you can. Turn a ring inside the watch, and you can simultaneously track a second time zone. The idea was to give a space traveler or an astronaut the option to know what time it is in mission control. Right? It's a very, it's a very, like I said, it's a very tongue-in-cheek approach of design where we're saying, look, you need to know the local time, you also need to know what mission control time is. Um, so you have a dual time tracking feature, um, and then the dial colors are very space-inspired. We have a, we have a blue that we're calling the horizon. The idea is, what do you see from a low Earth orbit? You see the blue and black of the Earth's horizon, so we call it horizon. And then there is a bright green, which we're calling supernova from the supernova explosions that we've seen. Um, And then there is a gray, dark gray, which we're calling deep space. Um, So I think the dial colors, the construction, how the whole watch came together is, is very fitting. And then of course, there's a meteorite version that we did, which hopefully we'll talk about Uh, in a a second but but yeah look i mean the design the construction the presentation it all comes together it tells the story and also gives the wearer a very respectable watch that would work for 15 20 years in the future with no no need to you know change any batteries at all
0: right again you know super interesting with all the connection between the storylines and you know all of uh, this i mean just as a You know, follow up to all of this, you talked about the meteorite. I did watch uh, the video and where you mentioned about uh, a very old uh, and uh, very far away meteorite coming and, you know, smashing into somewhere in Scandinavia or wherever and... uh, yeah, you've acquired that uh, piece, and then you use uh, that piece to basically—I think you, uh, for the for the dial or yeah. uh, that that you were. I mean, where did the idea come from? Because you know, at the end of the day, you need to have those ideas, and you need to know that I can go procure it and get it yep. fit into us. How did this come along?
1: Yeah. Now, remember, I said what I said at the start of the conversation. Is I'm a big space buff, right? And I'm a—I mean, I—I—I I, I mean, I don't know if it's relevant to this conversation. I believe in extraterrestrial life. I'm a big, <laughs> I'm a believer of that, right? And I I I, um, I, I, watch everything that has anything to do with extraterrestrial life and be it documentaries, movies, books, you name it. I've seen it all, I've read it all. Um, pushing what we can do in terms of storytelling and pushing what we can do in terms of the design of a watch and giving the wearer um, simply joy to wear a product like that is what we always aim for. And one of the ways we wanted to do it was to see if we can bring exotic materials into a space watch. And when we said space and exotic, the first thing that comes to our mind is a meteorite. So meteorites are not, ve- it's not completely uncommon. I mean, there are there are other watch brands that have done meteorite-based watches. We're not the first ones to do it, but we're clearly the first ones to do it in India, and we're clearly the first ones to do it as a tribute to the Indian space program in a watch in this form factor. Um, so yes, so we started looking for it, and then we, we found contacts for um, meteorite hunters who go about hunting for meteorites. There are only two sources of meteorites in the world, two known sources. One is the Gibbon meteorite in Namibia and the other is the Muneona Lusta meteorite in Scandinavia. Now the Gibbon meteorite, um, the Namibian government has banned any exploration and mining in that area for the last few years. So any brand that's already, anyone that's already got a hold of the Gibbon meteorite can hold on to it. But you can't do any more exploration there. Because of that, the rates of me- the Gibbon meteorites also exponential now. But the Moon Yonalista in Scandinavia is uh, relatively common uh, because Gibbons more rare. Uh, this, the Moon you know, Lista, not as much. So we found meteorite hunters who were able to source this meteorite for us. So it goes through an entire process. It's one thing to get a chunk of meteorite rock and put it in your, in your home, uh, on your coffee table, if you will. But it's another thing to take it and put it inside a wristwatch. You have to think about a lot more things, engineering, construction. You also have to think about the durability of that meteorite, It's iron, it's nickel iron at the end of the day, so it's going to have to stick inside the watch dial and not oxidize, not rust, and not change form factor over the next 10, 15 years. So a lot of the thought went into that, a lot of engineering went into that process of grading, or actually sourcing, grading, cutting, engineering, and then the assembly process. But we're really proud of the outcome. Uh, We made 50 pieces as a limited edition, and we called that watch aptly extraterrestrial. Uh, And those 50 pieces have now all been reserved, and very soon they'll all be going to their respective owners, and we're really excited about that that watch.
0: Yeah, I mean, fantastic. Uh, Really terrific kind of work. I mean, I wonder, what is it? uh, I mean, I am a space buff, and a lot of the listeners of this show are space buffs. But I'm sure that there's a lot of people out there who are not space buffs who are really enthusiastic about a watch that is a tribute to the space, uh, you know, the space exploration and ISRO and others, right? Do you have a sense of who is your customer for this?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Look, I mean, we, we, as I said, we've just celebrated our three years. Um, about 70% of our owners are in India. About 30-35% are overseas. Our watches are with owners in over 35 countries now. So we absolutely have a good sense of who our owners are. Um, um, and as you said, the owners of our watches come from two directions primarily. One direction is from where there is already a knowledge of watches. They probably already own a few Swiss watches. They understand the you know what it means to own a Swiss watch and an automatic watch and they understand, and they like watches for the, um, you know, the 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 romance of owning an automatic watch with no batteries. So obviously that segment is, is um, gravitating towards a brand like ours because we make respectable quality watches with the same high quality mechanism like a Swiss watch, but with Indian backstories. You also have owners coming in from the other end of the spectrum who are not watch people, but they gravitate towards the brand because of these interesting stories that we tell maybe there's somebody that likes the Indian Air Force, but has never found a way to appreciate or to celebrate the Indian Air Force until now, where we give them a watch to wear that celebrates the Indian Air Force. In the same way, there's a lot of space buffs now uh, who have not found a way to now celebrate the Indian space program in this way. Now we give them a watch that they can wear forever, all the time on their wrist to celebrate this. So you have owners coming in from, from both these directions.
0: Right, again, um, really interesting segmentation as well. I mean, that's what I would have assumed uh, looking at uh, this as well, right? Because essentially, I guess, um, people need stories that they want to connect with and, you know, they then connect to it and then they really find uh, that resonating uh, with them as well. And, you know, in the process of all of this, um, I'm sure that, you know, you, you already mentioned that the extraterrestrial is already sold out and, you know, you have the other Apogee series of watches, the three of them. What is it uh, that when you compare yourself as an emerging brand out of India against somebody like an Omega who has flown watches, you know, to, to the moon and other places and every astronaut in the U.S. Has, uh, is wearing them in one way or the other or in many other parts of the world as well. What are the aspirations that you have in comparison, let's say, or you, you, you see yourself getting to that level?
1: No, it's, I think that's a great question. Look, we we have global aspirations, uh, if we have not already made it clear with the kind of products that we put out. Um, we believe that we're building a world-class brand from India for the world. A lot of our owners from overseas are not even Indian people, they have, you know, you have people from overseas that are gravitating towards the brand because they like the story we're telling, they like the, the passion with which we're building our products. It's like any independent brand that you gravitate towards. Um, why do people now like uh, single origin coffee and not from a large coffee manufacturer? Why do we always pick a microbrewery for our beer as opposed to a large canned beer manufacturer? For the same reasons, there are people that gravitate towards small independent boutique watch brands like us, as opposed to large watch manufacturers. Um, We have huge aspirations ourselves. We'll look to um, associate our brand in any way possible, officially or unofficially with any of these space programs if if that opportunity opens up. There's already some conversations ongoing that I may not be able to talk about openly, not just with the space program, but also with respect to our uh, Air Force and aviation themed watches where doors have opened for us to go and have uh, more associations, uh, you know, with aviation in the aviation industry. Um, so we we have global aspirations. Uh, and clearly, that's been the case from day one.
0: Right. And if you would imagine a future, you know, connecting all of this uh, space and watches and so on, what are your aspirations in terms of where do you want to be with all of this uh, do you want to see? You know, one of the things that I clearly can see for you is uh, there is an upcoming Gaganyaan mission where you know there'll be Indian astronauts flying. I hope they wear one of your watches.
1: <laughs>
0: I well, look if that happens,
1: that'll be fantastic, right? Um, we you know we we aspire to something like that. Uh, we know that it's also an uphill task to having our watches being worn by civilians versus being worn in. Uh, you know, multiple G-forces and several thousand kilometers of velocity going around the planet. Um, you know, but we're, if something like that opens up, we're confident that we'd take it up on our chin and, and execute.
0: What are the challenges like? You know, let's say I am the ISRO chief. Let's just assume that I'm the ISRO chief. And I come to you and say, okay, I I, I really want uh, my guys to come up and say that uh, they're wearing a Indian-made you know, watch on orbit and I want that to work. So is that uh, something that easily scales towards making sure that the QC for all of that is uh, is then there?
1: Yeah, no, look, I mean, from a technical standpoint, there's nothing that stops our watches from being worn in space, right? Be it a battery-operated quartz watch or a mechanically-operated uh, watch like one of ours, technically nothing stops from those watches being worn in space. You'd be... There was a recent story about what was about what was the watch that Wing Commander Rakesh Sharma was wearing during one of his uh, during his salute mission in the 80s, and turns out that it was a it was an it was a quartz watch. It was not an automatic watch. It was not the Omega Moon watch that you know has usually the first watch that comes to people's mind. Uh, it was a very you know understated, thin, small. Tiny watch that you wouldn't think has gone to space, uh, and I am familiar with this matter from from a first person's point of view. Uh, and I don't believe that that watch went through any specific tests in order to qualify to be uh, flight ready, if you will. Um, so, in 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 theory, nothing stops any of our watches from being worn in space. However, I do believe that the build quality of a watch has to be solid. It can't just you can't just have a watch falling apart. When it goes to space, especially when it's exposed to shocks, I don't believe that uh, uh, an, uh, anti magnetic fe- uh, anti magnetic rating is as important because I don't believe that you'll have strong magnetic fields inside the cockpit of a uh, you know um, if if we have a capsule or, or a module rather. Uh, but I do think that uh, shock proof is important, um, you know, and how accurate it is is important and. Is it just reliable does it just or does it just fall off an astronaut's wrist when you' when you're taking off at 20, at 40,000 kilometers an hour? So uh, reliability is is key and I don't believe that it's a, it's a huge challenge to achieve that It'll be a very challenging project for us um, personally because we're extremely passionate about this in space uh, but technically it's not it's not a big challenge for where we are right now to get to a point like that.
0: Right. And one of the other uh, dimensions that are up and coming nowadays is uh, a lot of brands using space to enhance the value of the product. So, for example, I know a French company that takes wines to space and they develop some enzyme there that has only been, you know, it can only grow in space. And then they kind of say, okay, now this is really produced, matured uh, in space and they bring it back and they sell it at tens and thousands of dollars, right? So there are consumers there who really want that, right? So, and then, you know, there's other people who are looking at other things. There are pharmaceutical companies looking at using microgravity in space to produce certain enzymes or, you know, reactions and things like that. And they say, okay, if we manufacture this in a microgravity setting, there may be, you know, better technology, better products that come out of all of this, right? I wonder if there's something like that for watches.
1: Absolutely. I mean, you, you hit it right on the head. Um, microgravity has been used as a marketing tool for a long time with watches. I mean, if you look at uh, Omega, for example, I mean, I have huge respect for what the um, the Speedmaster program has been able to do with the NASA, um, the Apollo missions specifically. But if you look at that story, that same story is being used in Omega's marketing for 60 years now, almost. Uh, and the many watch brands after Omega that came up uh, and sent found opportunities to send their watches to space and if not really to space at least to you know like s- above the stratosphere uh which is technically space and and brought the 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 watch back and marketed it as a watch that's been to space there's it's all already been done before um but there's nothing like having one of the watches worn by an active mission astronaut so you know that's that's always going to set a high bar
0: right and do you see a, an audience for um, let's say watches that have gone to space and they have come back and uh, even within india in that sense oh
1: totally yes yes absolutely i mean look uh, if you if if the enthusiasm for our extraterrestrial watch was any indication i definitely think that there there is people that be interested to Uh, go buy a watch that has gone to space in some way shape or form
0: great i mean that's uh, really interesting because you know there are lots of companies that are today flying satellites and i'm sure that there's uh, some of them who might even say i want to take some watches you know get to to space and then get back there uh, for a certain amount of time Um, how much of a effect does let's say radiation or uh, thermal cycling have on such watches
1: Whoa, okay, now that's uh, that's uh, probably above my pay grade in terms of technology to be to, to answer, but I'll tell you, I'll take an educated guess. Um, let's take uh, watches powered by quartz crystals, which is what we call battery watches. They're powered by quartz crystals, and then watches like the apogee that are powered by mechanical movements. Both these categories of watches have a threshold for low temperature and high temperature. Um, room temperatures at 23-24 degrees and I believe they operate, uh, they're tested to operate uh, normally up until 45 degrees on the high side and up until probably, you know, like four, three, four degrees on the low side. So anytime you have thermal variance beyond these thresholds, watches are known to not perform as well and you have to test them and you have to build them and engineer them and construct them in a way that the temperature fluctuations are not going to affect them. Um, now about radiation's effect, and, uh, effect on watches, I don't believe radiation has any effect on watches um, because uh, if if it did, it you know we would have known by now. There's been many watches that went to space, um, the watches that went to the moon. I don't believe radiation has an effect, at least in in terms of timekeeping and the accuracy of a, of the function of a watch.
0: Yeah, I guess that's because they're purely like mechanical, mechanical driven, mechanism driven, Not they don't have any electronic uh, elements that uh, upset, you know, uh, electronics behind it, I suppose.
1: Well, there's been electronic watches that's gone to space as well. Let's take a Casio G-Shock for instance, right? It's the invincible watch. You put it under an 18-wheel truck, nothing happens to it. These are great watches and I know that these Casio digital watches have been to space um, I don't believe that radiation has an impact on them as much as uh, shock, velocity, uh, or or temperature variances, for instance, would would have. Right?
0: Yeah, I mean that's uh, definitely interesting. I mean also given that most watches are worn by people and you know they are inside a, of a capsule normally, you know that uh, and the exposure time is not normally more for a number of years because normally radiation takes time to kind of. Uh, um, yeah, collect, I that, would
1: say. That's true. But even when you're doing a spacewalk, um, there's, there's, there are watches that are worn during extravehicular activities um, and there is no negative impact because of radiation. These watches pu- function perfectly normally.
0: Great. So you've uh, put out the four watches and the space theme is out. Where is the space theme heading?
1: Well, um, Ironically, uh, we've been around for three years and two of those in corona years. Um, so a lot of what we wanted to do, we've never been able to do. Um, right now uh, the the mandate for my team right now is to is to get the watches out as much as possible and get as many people to know about the brand as possible because we're still operating um, at a at a fraction of a budget as uh, when compared to a large watch brand. Uh, we're self-funded at the moment. My wife, Mercy, and I, we invested a majority of our life savings into the project. Um, and we do not have the deep marketing pockets like some of the large brands. So at least for the immediate future, once things, hopefully when things start settling down in terms of social distancing and social gatherings, uh, we'll be looking forward to taking the watches out and 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 going out to as many people as
0: possible. Yeah, good luck with that. And I hope that, you know, this... Um is a stepping stone to having more such space you know theme theme watches as such
1: absolutely look i mean as far as uh, as far as our plans go there is no no end to the imagination we pushed ourselves and we even called it the apogee because this is the farthest we've gone so far but i do not believe that this is the end we'll be raising our orbit uh, <laughs> uh, as we go you know we'll be you know, we'll be firing thrusters at, at, at set intervals to raise orbits uh, higher and higher as we go. And uh, this isn't the end. And I also hope truly that more brands like us, not just in watches, um, in, in anything for that matter, uh, come up and tell more space stories. Uh, we want more people, I think the end goal is we want more people to look up, stop looking down on the phones, look up at the sky and ask the big questions. And if it happens through watches or shoes or computers or pens or cars or whatnot, uh, you know, I think uh, we'll be happy that that happens.
0: What can people do to support you who are from my industry, which is the space industry, either you know locally with the agency or with the private sector, or so on?
1: I mean, I, the first thing that people can do to support us is to is to go check us out. Uh, if you have any inclination in social media, give us a follow. Uh, and tell your friends. Um, we've grown in the last three years mainly due to word of mouth. Uh, we have very minimal marketing budgets. Uh, and if there's, if you're into watches, it's fantastic. Check out our watches. With our teams, more than happy to help. If you're not into watches, still check us out. Maybe this this may be your first watch after a long time uh, that you've worn because it's an interesting story. Um, so so the best thing that people can do is check us out and tell your friends.
0: Yeah, <laughs> always. Uh, thanks again. Maybe one last final question before we wrap up. Where do you see yourself in 10 years time?
1: Wow, that's a long time. Um, Where do we see ourselves in 10 years time? Uh, I'll tell you where we don't want to see ourselves. That were clear. I think think a lot of people ask me, okay, um, where where do you see yourself? And I'll tell, uh, and oftentimes I tell them that I know where I don't want to be. Um, If you know that, that's half the bridge crossed. At least you're looking at the right direction. so uh, just putting things in perspective, Titan Industries, which, which is the largest, one of the largest watch manufacturers in the world and, and a large watch manufacturer in India, they produce 15 million watches a year. Uh, Bangalore Watch Company today produces a thousand watches a year. Um, so what a drop in the ocean when compared to the large watch manufacturers. Even Swatch Group produces more than 15 million watches a year. We're a very small company compared to that. Um, I think one thing that we wanted to do was to identify ourselves as the first luxury watch brand from India, built from India for the world. And I do believe uh, it'll be a fair statement to say that there's already that identifier with Bangalore Watch Company. We've been recognized by everybody in the watch industry. Uh, If we're able to continue to tell more inspiring stories from India, and if we're able to inspire more people to look at watches because of these stories, I think that's where we'd like to be uh, a few years from now. If you, if you're not, you may not be a watch person, you may not come to us because you're a watch person, but you come to us because one of the stories we tell is inspiring to you, that's a win. And if we have, you know, 20, 30, 40,000 of those people coming to us every year, um, you know, 10 years from now, that's a win.
0: Great. Uh, I'll leave uh, the links to your uh, Apogee video. Please. As well as the social media on in the transcripts of this, uh, the show notes of the episode. And again, you know, thank you so much for taking the time to coming and meeting me in person and then taking the time in recording this uh, particular episode. I'd love to keep in touch. Um, and of course, if I'm running any space event in Bangalore, I'd love to invite you to come uh, and present the Apogee as well.
1: We'd love to do that. Look, we speak with... Uh um, we speak with a lot of watch publications. Um, I've spoken to a lot of watch podcasts. I, I have I spend a lot of time with the people in the watch industry and the luxury industry. Um, it feels amazing to have the Apogee conversation with with a group of people in a community that understands space for a change. Um, so I really enjoyed this conversation. A lot of these questions were very relevant. Uh, as I said, space is close to my heart. So uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Thank you for having me here.